Welcome back to the Friend Partnership Podcast Series. Today we're going to be taking a look at trusts and how they can benefit the small to medium sized business owner. If I'm being honest, I didn't fully understand what a trust was, so I didn't know how they could be of benefit to my family, to my business or indeed for myself. It was only during a recent conversation with the tax partner here at Friend, David Gillis, where we touched on the subject of trusts and it's a topic I'd like to expand upon today. So I've asked David to join me and together we're going to try and clear up what a trust is and see how they can be of use. Morning David and thanks for your time today. Morning Sean. A lot of people are put off uh, by the concept of trusts, they see them as very complicated. So, what exactly is a trust and are they really as, a, as complicated as they seem? Well, no, they're, they're not. A trust is really a very it's a straightforward arrangement it really is somebody giving something to someone else to look after so for instance let's say Sean you and I were on a beach um, and there was decent weather Um, I wanted to go for a swim I gave you my watch to look after that is a trust it's just giving something to someone else to look after and that that is how straightforward a trust is Actually, the, the trusts have got a very long history. I mean, they date back to, I think, originally the 12th century, um, when you had um, knights and lords going off to the Crusades. Of course, they had, uh, you know, their, their own land to look after and crops to grow and everything like that, and tenants, tenant farmers or, or whatever in those days. And of course, they're going away. They needed someone to look after their estate so they would give it to somebody they trusted to look after okay. and that, that basically was the origin of trust okay. um, so in essence they're really quite simple I think part of the reason why a lot of people feel that they're complicated is because the, the, there is a mystique that's grown up around them if you look at trust deeds uh, they're, they're written in very legal language and that can put a lot of people off but really um, and I suppose also some of the terminology, possibly. But the, the important thing is that there are three important terms with regard to trust. And so once you understand those, <clears throat> they really they really do, it, it does kind of like draw back the, the veil and makes them uh, uh, a bit more simple. So the three terms are, um, the first one is set law. The set law is the person who transfers assets to the trust arrangement. Okay. That's the important one. Secondly, trustee. And the trustee is the person who receives the asset, or whatever it can be, you know, in the trust, and looks after it mm. on behalf of the beneficiary or the beneficiaries. Okay. The beneficiaries are the people who are entitled to benefit from the asset. Okay. And that really is, that's it in essence, you know, you're giving you, the settlor, are giving assets to a trustee to look after for the beneficiaries. That's it. Okay, thanks for that. Well, you know, to a lot of people, they perhaps seem old-fashioned. Do they have a use nowadays? I, I think they really do. Um, probably more almost these days than, than, than previously. Um, and the main use for trusts is actually asset protection. And this is where politicians particularly get it wrong. Gordon Brown famously. That's a first. <laughs> yeah. 
Gordon Brown famously, um, he he believed that trust the only the only reason for using a trust was was to avoid tax. Actually, the bulk of trusts um, are set up to protect the assets that are held in the trust. Um, to give you an example. Um, an easy one, I suppose, to, to think about would be, um, let's say um, you, Sean, got married for a second time. Um, you had children from your first marriage, and of course your new wife had children from her first marriage. Yeah. Now you're putting together your will, and whilst you want your new wife to benefit from your assets after you've gone, you don't want them passing to her children or to her wider family. So you would write into your will a trust that says that when I die, everything I own goes into a trust. Mm -hmm. My wife can benefit from all the income, but when she dies, everything goes to my children. And that's a really good use of a trust to protect the underlying asset and make sure it goes to the people that you want it to. Okay, and I guess that can be as granular as it needs to be. Yes, obviously, absolutely. The, the, the new children can benefit whoever, absolutely. however it's set out. It can. Yeah, okay. that, that's a great thing about trust. They are incredibly flexible. You've got a, you've got a lot of uh, scope into what you write into into the trust deed. Okay. Okay. Um, so other uses, um, uh, yes, asset protection, um, also succession planning. So if you, you know, the risk of boring you, let's have a look at another scenario. You're, you're a business owner, you've got your own successful family trading company and you've got two children. Yep. Um, you've got a daughter who works in the business, works very hard in the business and you want her to take the business forward yep. because she's got all the skill. Yep. You've got a son, his, his interest is in other areas um, so he's not interested in the business at all, but you still want him to benefit from the business in mm -hmm. some way. So what you could do in those circumstances is you could give some shares outright to your daughter. So she owns the shares, she has all the voting control on those shares, mm -hmm. um, and she continues to run the business. You could give some more shares, rather than give them to your son, you could put them into a trust for his benefit but with your daughter as the trustee. So your son benefits from the shares and any mm -hmm. dividends they generate, but your daughter as trustee has the voting rights that go with the shares. So okay. she's got control of the company. So that, that's another way. And I suppose that to a certain extent that is, that is um, asset protection. Um, a lot of people use trusts also for funding education for grandchildren, for instance. Okay. Um, so you just put cash into a trust and it's used to pay school fees for grandchildren. Um, and for others, again, it's this question of control. You might want to give assets to your adult children, mm -hmm. but you don't think that they're quite adult enough yet, so let's say they're only 18, 19, to, 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 for you to trust them to, to look after those assets. So you put them into a trust and you put, name yourself as trustee. So you're both settler and trustee. You've got full control of the asset until such time as you decide you can uh, hand it on to them outright. Um, and the final area where they can be very useful is protecting family wealth where there's marital breakup. So for instance, um, you again, Sean, you've, you've built up a very successful family business. Um, you've got a daughter. Um, your concern is that if you if you leave everything to her, or if you, if you make gifts to her during your lifetime, 
she gets married and then subsequently gets divorced, then some of your wealth could pass outside your family to people who you don't particularly want it to pass to. So to a certain extent, you could use a trust to protect assets on a marital breakup. It is not 100% foolproof protection, but it gives you better protection than possibly outright gifts. Okay, that's interesting. Okay. Uh, you mentioned at the start there that they can be used to save tax. Um, what what sort of taxes and, and how does that work? Um, well, you, you can use trusts to save inheritance tax, you can use them to save capital gains tax and income tax, the three main main taxes that, that, that apply to individuals. So with regard to inheritance tax, you can save inheritance tax by transferring during your lifetime assets from your own personal ownership to a trust mm-hmm. um, and you're, you're effectively taking them out of your estate once you have survived for seven years from transferring them into the trust. You put them into a trust and seven years later their value is outside your estate. Quite important that you're not able to benefit from that trust. During that seven, during that time? Or? At any time. Uh, oh, okay. At, at any okay. time. Um, you can also um, use a trust for what's known as a freezer arrangement. So let's say you've got an asset, Sean, that's going to grow in value. So it's going to increase the inheritance tax liability on your estate, but you don't particularly want that in your estate. So you transfer it to a trust now. And that means that any future growth in value of that asset from the date you transfer it into the trust is outside your estate, even if you don't survive for seven years. Because the rule is that if you don't survive for seven years, then the asset is added back to your estate, Mm -hmm. but at its value at the date it went in, not at its value currently. That's what's known as a freezer arrangement. Okay, interesting. the capital gains tax, again, if you're transferring assets into a trust, um, that is a disposal for capital gains tax, but there is a special relief, it's, it's called a holdover relief, where anything that goes in, if there's any capital gains tax liable on it, then you don't pay it at that point. It would be payable by the trustees if they subsequently dispose of the asset by way of selling it, but if they transfer it out of the trust to a beneficiary, it can be the gain can be held over again. Mm. So it's it's quite good to to avoid any immediate capital okay. gains tax. And from an income tax point of view, where it's really useful is where you're setting up trusts for um, education for grandchildren or further education for children, um, so that you can you can uh, distribute income from the trust to them which the trustees have paid tax on, but if your children are not, um, uh, or grandchildren, should I say, are not taxpayers, they can claim back some of the tr- uh, some of the tax that the trustees have paid. So from an income tax point of view, yeah. it can be very efficient, much more efficient than just making straightforward transfers of funds um, without using a trust. Okay. So what does it take to set one up, and are they expensive to run? Um they're not expensive to run. Obviously, it depends how much, how many assets are in there and how, how complex they are. Um, to, to set a trust up, you basically would need somebody to write a trust deed for you. So mm-hmm. you would need a solicitor there to mm-hmm. do that. Um, a fairly standard lifetime trust these days, you're probably spending somewhere between five and £800 plus VAT for having the trust deed. 
okay. um, um, Britain. Um, and in terms of running the trust, it's it's not necessarily expensive. I mean, if the trust doesn't generate any income, then you're not required to do tax returns every year. Mm-hmm. So, kind of engaging a, a, an accountant isn't really necessary because there is mm-hmm. there is no tax return to prepare. Um, if you've got professional trustees, then it can be expensive. But if it's just you and maybe mm-hmm. trusted family members, then there doesn't necessarily have to be any ongoing costs of, of running the trust. It's where you've got tax returns and things like that. To do okay. So trust. where do you uh, you guys at Friend fit in? Um, how can you help me with this if I wanted to set one up? Obviously, over and above, giving me the advice um, and expanded on that. Where do you guys fit um, well, actually, one of the most important things we would be doing is giving you the advice. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we'd advise on we'd advise on um, choosing trustees. Mm-hmm. We would advise particularly on what powers the trustees have. It's quite important at the beginning to give them as wide a set of powers as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. When I say powers, I mean things like the power to make loans to beneficiaries, the power to transfer assets out of the trust to the beneficiaries when they want, Mm -hmm. the power to add new people to the class of beneficiaries, the power to exclude people from the class of beneficiaries if you want. So those powers we we would advise on, you know, how how wide they need to be. and um, and now that, I think that's probably the very the, the most important bit. Obviously, we have contacts with um, uh, solicitors um, who we know and trust, um, who, who know how we operate with regard to trust, who would draw up the deeds uh, f- um, um, for any clients who wanted to trust. We would deal with all the um, HMRC compliance side of things. We need to register the trust potentially. We would deal with the trust tax returns, we deal with the inheritance tax form, if there's any inheritance tax forms have to be done when the trust are regionally set up. So uh, basically, it's, it's uh, aside from writing the trustee, we could do everything for the client. Okay, so obviously with my businesses, you look after my general accounting and audit and um, all, all that day-to-day sort of maintenance, I guess, of my, of my business. Is a trust similar? Do they need... Um, ongoing maintenance and annual things I need to consider? Um, not not necessarily. Again, okay. as I say, it, it depends what's in there. So okay. let's say, for instance, you set up a trust um, and you just put in there a, a rental property. Yeah. Okay. So the trust would need to do an annual tax return for its rental okay. income. So that's all that would need to be done. Mm-hmm. But let's say, uh, as an alternative, um, you set up a trust and you put in there let's say a piece of jewellery or something like that, Okay. Um, it just sits there. It, it doesn't generate any income um, until such time as the, the trustees sell it. There's, mm-hmm. there's, no, there's absolutely nothing to do on an ongoing basis okay. or something like that. Interesting. Okay, so if I wanted to set up a trust for my children, um, what tips would you give me and how, uh, and how would we go about it? Um, I think with regard to t- choice of trustees is very important. Yeah. Um, it is likely that if you're setting up a trust for your children, you want some control over those assets that you're yeah. putting in. Yeah. Um, so you should certainly be a trustee, but you need to be aware of who else is going to be a trustee. Mm-hmm. You need at least two. You've got to think about, okay, is there likely to be any conflict between the trustees? Do we need to have an odd number so that there's the, you know, there's mm-hmm. the, you know, the uh, decisions can actually be made without there being deadlocked? 
Um, as I say, trustees powers, that's something that's really important. And the class of beneficiaries, because you might, for instance, want to set up a trust for your son and daughter, let's say. Yeah. But you could also, in the class of beneficiaries, you could include their children. Well, you say, well, they haven't got any children, but it doesn't matter. Their unborn children can be in the class okay. of beneficiaries and their unborn grandchildren. Yeah. So you can draw the class of beneficiaries as wide as you want. Um, so that that's probably quite important because you need it to be flexible. You think, well, what's going to happen yeah. in the future? Yeah. What, what, where do I want? Uh, who do I want in the class of beneficiaries? Do I want to exclude future spouses? All yeah. that sort of yeah. stuff. Okay, so it can be as granular as, as, mm, as you absolutely. want. Absolutely. So you mentioned about control. Um, do all of the trustees have equal levels of ownership, if that's the right word, or can I, as you know, as it's my trust, I'm setting it up. Can I retain more control? You know, over fifty-one percent. Say, I don't know if I'm using the right terminology. Um, well, I suppose you you could. Um, you, you could, to a certain extent, dictate what, um, for instance, if there's if there's deadlock, who who has the the, the deciding mm -hmm. uh, the deciding voice. You've got to be a bit careful, mm -hmm. um, because one of the things that, um, from an inheritance tax point of view, you don't want to be doing is um, retaining an interest in the assets. Okay, understood. Um, so, uh, but yes, to a certain extent. But I think more important. With regard to control, is making sure you've chosen, chosen the right trustees. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for that, David. I think we'll leave it there. Um, thanks for today, and uh, we'll expand upon this further in the future. <laughs> <laughs>